Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture text we consider this morning is a gospel reading from St. John chapter 11. And first I'd like to say thank you to Pastor Johnson for inviting me to speak God's word to you today on this fifth Sunday in Lent. And by the way, I'd like to say that Emily and I are very happy to be part of this Zion congregation here in Mondovi. This is a beautiful church with many nice, friendly members and a fine pastor, Scott Johnson, serving us. And we are glad to be a part of this church family. What have you given up for Lent this year? This sure is an unusual one, isn't it? Many of us have given up going to school, school activities and sports, going out to restaurants, movies, stores, and shopping centers, getting together with friends and family, even gathering here at Zion on Sundays and Wednesdays for worship services, meetings, Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Bible classes. Perhaps you've given up even leaving the house entirely, not to mention March Madness, and that necessarily, not necessarily by choice. And all because of this new COVID-19 coronavirus that started in China and has spread quickly to every nation and every state in the USA. It's a very contagious virus, and it's one that can kill. Social distancing, as we are doing now, is a matter of life and death. Yesterday, it was reported that there are now over 100,000 people in the United States with this virus, and over 1,000, perhaps 2,000, have already died from it, mostly in New York and New Jersey and a few other states. In Wisconsin, there are over 900 people reported to have it, mostly in the Milwaukee area and a few large cities, and 16 have died. Closer to home, seven cases have been reported in the Eau Claire area, but none yet that we know of here in Buffalo County. Epidemics and even pandemics like this are nothing new, although we may not have experienced one before. In 1918, there was a Spanish flu epidemic that infected 50 million people in our United States, resulting in the deaths of over 60,000 Americans. And the USA population then was just over 100 million, a third of what it is today. But to put that into perspective, just last year there were 50 million cases of ordinary flu here in the US. That resulted in about 60,000 deaths. Such matters of life and death are really nothing new. Last year, over 600,000 Americans died from heart disease and over 500,000 due to cancer, over 100,000 from accidental injuries, over 100,000 from strokes, not to mention diabetes, hurricanes, fires and floods and tornadoes. By the way, 800,000 babies were killed in the USA last year by abortion. There are many things that can kill us at any age. The mortality rate is the same as it has always been. Everybody will die someday, somehow, at least until Christ returns on the last day. You know, human history is filled with instances of epidemics, plagues, and pandemics. The Bible speaks about plagues and widespread diseases in accounts of the past and also in accounts that speak of the future. Deadly disease is nothing new. Neither is the greater threat 
to mankind. While the world all around us is fixated on COVID-19, how to respond to it and the fears of contracting it, there is something that is a far greater threat to them than they realize. Many people in our workplaces, neighborhoods, schools and homes, and even in our families are more concerned about a disease with a, a 1 or 2% mortality rate than a condition with a 100% mortality rate, a condition that every one of them has already contracted. We know that this greater problem is sin. We also know that hand-washing, antiseptic wipes, face masks, and isolation cannot spare any of us from the deadly consequences of sin. Only the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ can save us. People's concern over COVID-19 is an opportunity for us to consider our mortality and the certainty of death. It's also time for us to speak God's word to a situation that can only be answered by God's word. Today I'd like to speak to you about death and life. And let's consider them in that order. When you hear the word death, what comes to your mind? I think of words like loss, grief, separation, pain, tears. I think of finality. I think of the unknown. And to be honest, it raises up some fear. Let's be real. Death is scary. If you don't think so, simply show up at a funeral. At funerals, we gather around someone who had once been full of life, but no more. One who had been with us, but they are no longer there. Their body is there, but we aren't only bodies. If you ever needed evidence that things are not right in this world, that there is something terribly wrong in this world, all you have to do is attend a funeral and take a nice long look into the casket and be honest about what you see there. Some people may say that death is natural, that death is even beautiful or good, but those are empty platitudes. We know better. Even when it is expected, even when it brings an end to pain or suffering, death is not good. It's not the way things should be. It never was. Return, return with me for a moment to the beginning to the Garden of Eden. It was teeming with life, good life, very good life. God had been clear, life would continue as long as people listened to him and obeyed, as long as we trusted in him and acted accordingly. But God said, if you eat from that tree, you will die. Eat from that tree, the forbidden tree, and life will end. And we know the rest of the story. We ate and we died. And so it has gone for us all ever since. In our gospel reading today from John 11, Jesus got up close and personal with the pain, the grief, the separation that accompanies death. His dearly loved friend Lazarus got sick and then he died, leaving behind two grieving sisters whom Jesus also loved, dear friends of his, Mary and Martha. This death brought Jesus to tears. John tells us that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Verse 35 of our text, the shortest verse in the Bible, says simply, Jesus wept. And rightly so. 
because death is a horrible thing. We don't know because John doesn't tell us, but I'd imagine that the emotion Jesus felt at Lazarus' death must have reinforced for him what he had come to accomplish. It must have invigorated him for the mission on which he had been sent. And what was that mission? What did Jesus come to do? You tell me. Really? I'm going to read through a few passages that may be familiar to you. But as I read through them, I'm going to leave out some key words. And if you can, simply speak out loud the missing word from each passage. All of these are from the Gospel of John. All except the last of them are from the mouth of Jesus himself. The first one from our text. Jesus said to Martha as they mourned the death of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Right. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Yes. I'm sure you know this one from John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 6.40, Jesus said, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Right. John 8.12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yes. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 14, verse 6, on the evening before his own death on the cross for the sins of the world, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the Yes. Just one more. At the end of his gospel, John summarizes his reason for writing this. John 20, verse 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. Yes, life. In today's gospel text from John 11, at verse 26, Jesus said to Martha, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her, Do you believe this? That question is not only for Martha to answer. The Lord's question is before us today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the Lord of life? That he is the Lord of heaven? And earth? Do you believe that he is the Lord of the cross and of the resurrection from the dead? Do you believe that he did all these things for you? Jesus' words create faith in us and give to us such faith that believes his promises of life and salvation. By his word, our fears of suffering and death melt away. By his word, we are washed anew in baptismal grace. By his word, we drink deeply of the Lord's cup of salvation and are given everlasting life. In verse 43 of our text, when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, 
and let him go. Jesus shared our response to death, sadness, mourning, weeping. But then he did what only God can do. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he promises to do the same for everyone who trusts in him on the day he returns to bring us all into the kingdom of God. This is our great hope and comfort as we live in a dying world. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into this world to set us free from death. Jesus does that, but not as we might expect. He did it by laying down his own life. God himself, the author of life, submitting to death on a cross and then rising to life again on the third day. And it's his words that make all the difference to us. Jesus spoke them throughout his ministry to people who were broken, who were hurting, who were grieving, who were afraid and sorry and sad. Jesus spoke words of forgiveness, words of promise, words of peace, words that literally gave life to Jairus' daughter, to the widow of Nain's son, to Lazarus in our text from John 11. Jesus spoke and the dead were brought back to life. And then he sent his disciples to speak these words to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to America, to Wisconsin, to Mondovi, to you and to me, to anyone living in the valley of the shadow of death. He continues to speak these words to us as we gather in his name, wherever you happen to be right now. And then he sends us out to speak those words to others in our homes, and in our communities. There is hope for us who feel threatened by this coronavirus. There is good news. First of all, most Americans who get this virus will have mild symptoms or perhaps none at all and then simply recover from it. And our excellent medical health professionals are working diligently to get it under control. There are drug treatments like chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine that could fight it. There is a convalescent plasma treatment taking antibodies from blood donations of people who have recovered from it that can also be helpful. And vaccines are being developed that can prevent getting it. In the face of the COVID threat, with all its fears and uncertainties, we can shine as people who have certain faith and hope. And our hope is not just in science, technology, or medicine. Our hope is in the one who has given us these good gifts and the greater gifts of life and salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. For now, follow the sound advice of medical professionals and public health officials to protect yourself and your loved ones from this virus. Wash your hands, keep your distance, but don't be afraid. You are God's own child, washed in the waters of holy baptism, cleansed by the pure blood of Jesus and filled with hope. And through your faithful witness during a public health crisis, it's possible that some people in your life will also be led to look to the Lord of life and receive the healing that only Jesus can provide, eternal healing. There's nothing really new about this coronavirus but with it, there is a new opportunity for us to bring good news to our dying world. 
How? Fear not. Keep the faith. Stay in God's word. Reading from Holy Scriptures every day. Perhaps a psalm a day or some other chapter of Scripture. Stay in prayer, taking your concerns and anxieties to the Lord with thanksgiving. Stay connected with each other and with your church family in any way that you can. Take care of each other. Show love for one another. Best of all, remember, it's Lent. But Easter is coming. The victorious resurrection of the Lord of life, our Savior Jesus. St. Paul wrote in the last verse of today's epistle, Romans 8, verse 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. God gives us life in Christ alone. He gives it fully and freely, abundantly and eternally. He gives it to us and He gives it to others through us when we speak to them this good news. May God continue giving this life to all who are living in the midst of death. In Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen.